Colossians chapter 1, we're going to look at just verse 3 today. Paul and Timothy's consistent prayer and thankfulness for the body at Colossae. Remember the reason Paul wrote the letter to begin with is Epaphras had become concerned for the Colossians as false teaching started to take hold and it was becoming a problem. He informed Paul about this and Paul penned the letter. He wrote the letter to refute the false teaching and um, give them the truth. Tychicus delivered the letter to Colossae. He delivered two other letter, or uh, he delivered this letter. He wanted it read at two other locations. He delivered some other letters at the same time. The false teaching um, at the church at Colossae was comprised of pagan mysticism, as well as legalism that came about by Jewish tradition. Remember, God calls those who have trusted Christ saints as well as brothers and sisters in Christ. We're considered by God, as we talked about last week, to be people who are set apart, blameless, and holy because of the righteousness of Jesus. Not our own righteousness, but the righteousness of Christ. Paul was a persecutor of the Christians. He was a Pharisee who wanted to destroy those who were believers in Christ. That's one of the people writing this letter. He was glad to watch Stephen's murder. By his own words, Paul was a blasphemer, a persecutor, a violent aggressor, and the foremost sinner of all men. And then Jesus confronted Paul and he saved him on the road to Damascus. A bright light, and he talked to Paul. Paul was appointed by God to know his will, to see the righteous one, and to hear directly from Christ. He was to be a witness for Jesus to all men. Paul counted all things to be lost in the view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus. Paul called him my Lord. As we read the rest of that passage, internalize that. For whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them but rubbish, so that I may gain Christ. I may be found in him not having a righteousness of my own, derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith. Paul says, and we can say, that I may know Him, Jesus, and the power of His resurrection, the fellowship of His sufferings, being conformed to His death, in order that I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Paul proclaimed, and we can as well, Jesus Christ and Him crucified. It's an amazing thing that God would love us enough to do that. Colossians chapter 1, the first three verses. Actually, we'll read through verse 8. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, and Timothy our brother, to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ who are at Colossae, Grace to you and peace from God our Father. We give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love which you have for all the saints, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of which you previously heard in the word of truth, the gospel, which has come to you just as in all the world, also it is constantly bearing fruit and increasing, even as it has been doing in you also, 
since the day you heard of it and understood the grace of God in truth. Just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow bondservant, who is a faithful servant of Christ on our behalf. And he also informed us of your love in the Spirit. Now you'll notice, if you're reading, certainly if you're trying to prepare to teach or preach on this verse, verses 3 through 8, that's one sentence. Paul does a wonderful job at run-on sentences. He just keeps going and layering it and layering it and layering it. It's amazing how his mind worked. Today we're just going to look at verse 3. We give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus, praying always for you. There's some key words. Paul's gratitude, thanks to God. God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ, praying and the word always. And we know that when we're having conversations with each other, especially if they're less than comfortable conversations, using the word always, never, and every time are not always helpful, right? But Paul uses them. And so key in on that. Praying always. I can't say that. You probably can't say that. Paul could. And so those are important key words as you're looking through. The amount of time the apostle spent just in prayer alone is stunning. He's always doing this. And we would do well to emulate that. Thankfulness to God and never-ending prayer. Paul and Timothy expressed gratitude to God for the Colossians. They had heard of their faith and love, and they recognized those things as only as coming from God. We're going to look at those two things next week. Every good thing comes from God and nowhere else. All of it comes from God. A heart of gratitude toward God only comes from the understanding that He is good and everything comes from Him. Whether that's physical, material, or spiritual, it all comes from God. Paul heard about the faith of the Colossians and, and their love and this took him right to the source, which is God. He says, we give thanks to God for these things we hear about in you. The same thing was true of the Ephesians. Their faith and love, which Paul observed, made him grateful to God. And think about this. You can read the first three verses, I've said this before, in each of Paul's letters, and you're going to have his mind about the churches. What he wanted for them, what he prayed for them. Not all of it, because the entire letter of churches contains all of it. What some key things, grace and peace. He thanked God for their love and their faith and, and mercy and other things that were going on. And you can scan through all those letters in the New Testament in a very short time period and get that full picture. Wow, this was a consistent thing for Paul. It was a consistent thing. It was also a consistent thing in the body. These are things that he prayed for. These are things that he saw. So, he was grateful to God for the faith of the believers in Rome as well. Romans 1.8 In the Corinthian believers, Paul was thankful for the grace of God that he saw. He was thankful for everything about the Philippians. He had nothing to say to them except, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you. The saints in Thessalonica were chosen from the beginning by God for salvation, and this made Paul grateful to God. Just in his uh, beginning 
of one of the chapters in 2 Thessalonians, we see this nugget about how salvation works. It's a piece of the pie, but it's there, and he's just talking to them. He's penning a letter, but it tells us something. The salvation of any person only happens by faith in Christ. They were chosen, the saints in Thessalonica, from the beginning by God for salvation. In that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And that was God's plan all along. We'll see that today. Paul was thankful for the gift of Jesus as well. 2 Corinthians 9.15 In Hebrews we read, Through Him, Jesus Christ, Through Him then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of lips that give thanks to His name. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 tells us God's will is for us to be thankful in everything. Even stuff that's not fun. Right? In Ephesians, we read, we're told to be filled with the Spirit. And having been filled with the Spirit, we will in part always be giving thanks for everything in the name of Jesus Christ. And we're seeing that in the text of Scripture. A heart of thankfulness comes when we recognize everything is coming from God. When we see that God's symphony of gifts are being majestically played, in, played out in every life around us. God gives gifts to us. And then He uses us in this world as a display of His majesty and His glory. Equipping the church, building each other up. Witnessing to the lost and those come from the spiritual gifts that God gives us the moment we're saved. We recognize this. We see it. Every life around us, including our own lives, and when we're filled with the Spirit and understanding what the will of the Lord is, we see this. We have a much harder time with those things when we're focused on what ails us, don't we? We get distracted. That makes us dependent more. To be sure, God is a God of comfort. There is real physical and emotional pain in this temporal world. And each one of us know that. We know that. But God is above all this. So I'm not minimizing those realities. But I am saying that heart of gratitude. When we look and see what God's got going on and what He's done, that can move us past those things in front of us. His will is for us to be grateful. And that happens one expression of gratitude at a time. And so while Paul is giving thanks to God, and he does that all the time, it's an example for us. And when we recognize God's gift to us, the gift of salvation alone, God giving us life, temporal and spiritual alone, is enough to be thankful for, right? For all of our lives. That, that alone is enough. And yet he just piles it on. But who whines and complains? Besides me. Right? Now, the reality is we bang our toes. We drop things on our toes in life. Sometimes people throw things on our toes. It happens, doesn't it? There's things we have no control over. Pain, physical, emotional pain. Hindrances. Computer's not acting right. Whatever it is. 
Some small stuff, some big stuff. So, look up, look around. It's cold, yes. Throw a coat on and look at the sunshine. It looks warm. And it came from God, right? That's just a small thing. And what happens is there's nothing better for our enemy and for our flesh than to feed them with attention that God deserves. So we look up and we say, wow, look at the hearts in this room on Sunday morning. The kids scream. It's ear-piercing. There's kids in the room. And we have an opportunity to influence them for Christ. And they will grow up and go out there and proclaim His Word. On and on it goes, right? Thankfulness, gratefulness. We could spend all day on that one topic, but we'll move on. We give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. In addition to their gratefulness to God for the love and faith of the Colossians, Paul and Timothy always prayed for them. Paul told Barnabas at one point that they should go visit the brethren in every city where they preached Christ and check in on them. Let's go check up on them. He was always concerned about the saints in every location. Paul was continuously praying for the believers at Colossae and elsewhere. The body mattered to Paul because it mattered to Jesus. The body of Christ matters to Jesus. He's the head of the church. He died for us all. So Paul's instruction to pray without ceasing weren't just words to him. He actually did it. He prayed continuously. He prayed for abounding love for the Philippian church. For the Colossians, he prayed that they would be filled with the knowledge of God's will. So there's many prayers that we can have for one another. Get rid of the stuff that's in the way, God, please, for, for this person or myself or that person. But also, fill us with the knowledge of your will. Some of that stuff that gets in the way disappears when we have that and, and we're tracking with that, right? Abounding love, filled with the knowledge of God will, God's will. He prayed that God would fulfill every desire for goodness and the work of the faith and power in the Thessalonians. He asked the Colossians to pray that he would have opportunities to preach Christ, while at the same time telling them to devote themselves to prayer with an attitude of thanksgiving. Gratefulness and thankfulness leads us to prayer, and prayer leads us to gratefulness and thankfulness. So what do we do with that? Prayer is heard by God every time. That prayer, our prayers being heard by God should really explode in our hearts as we stop and think about it. When you have the prayers from us here in this room, now if we all talked to one person at the same time, what would happen? I know what I would do. <laughs> okay? But God doesn't do that, does He? He hears each one. And then we make that bigger. Four or five churches. Four or five cities. Not towns, cities. Spokane, Seattle. Four or five of those. More. 
everybody on the earth that's alive, you see where I'm going, now all these people over all the time that man has been here talking to God. He hears, processes, responds to each of those. That's our God. That's the God that you can talk to. And that He hears you. All of us. And He's intimately involved in our lives. He already knows our thoughts. So there's nothing too small or too big to be talking to Him about. He's our Father. He wants that conversation. Prayer recognizes God's sovereignty. It demonstrates our dependence. So not only does it put us in a spot where we're recognizing His sovereignty and our dependence on Him, but it fosters that, doesn't it? The more we go to Him, the more we converse with God, the more we pray and talk to God, the more we understand. We watch Him answer prayer. We watch Him say, hang on for a minute. We watch Him work, and it fosters that dependence, and it fosters that gratitude and an understanding of His sovereignty. Prayer glorifies God. The lost world sees us praying. It sees us praying too. Prayer, prayer proclaims Christ. It strengthens our relationship with Jesus. Because of Him, we can go boldly before the throne of grace, can't we? Strengthens our relationship with our church family and the church around the world. We have maps in the hallway where people we know are elsewhere serving God, doing what we're doing here. Prayer is a demonstration of love for the Lord, love for those who are His, and for those who are one step closer to hell today. Isn't it? Prayer demonstrates those things in our hearts and to a watching world. We give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always to you. Paul and Timothy express gratitude for the saints at Colossae. They were thankful to God, the Father of our Lord. We should remember our God. He deserves our worship, doesn't He? First, let's consider that God chose to create the world and everything in it, including mankind. As we're reading this, Paul's giving thanks to God. He's the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Who is this God that Paul is praying to and thanking Him for the Colossians? He made mankind. His creation was very good. In Genesis 2 and 3, we see that he was kind enough to make man in his image. He could have done whatever he wanted. He could have not made us, to be quite frank. Have you considered that God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit were relating to one another and in existence for all eternity. We are bound by space and time. But do we think about before He made Adam and Eve, those three persons were relating to one another in a perfect relationship. They haven't started. They didn't start. They had that going on perpetually, backwards in time. It's outside of what we can really grasp. But think about that. 
Then they decided to bring mankind into that relationship. They didn't need mankind. Did God need any of us? No. The fact that God decided to make man is amazing and then let us join in that relationship. That's huge. He created every living thing and then gave them to man. Every plant, every tree. You're going to see a theme here. Every beast. Every bird. The other moving things. Every green plant. All of it. He blessed mankind. He didn't leave Adam alone. He's a caring God. He gave the garden to Adam to work in and take care of. Even in their sin, He promised defeat for Satan and redemption for mankind in Christ. And this is at the beginning of the text of Scripture. We're studying through Acts. We're going to see Stephen's defense before the council. In that we see God. Have you read through that and looked at it? What do we see about God there? Just in reading through what he's talking about. He's called the God of glory. He appeared to Abraham. God chose to be known. He didn't have to be known. He chose to be known. He made us and then He made Himself known to us. He promised Abraham and his descendants a land. Abraham didn't have a child at the time. He said, I'm going to give you this land and your descendants. Then He gave him a son, Isaac, a gift from God to Abraham. Children are a gift, aren't they? He gave one to Abraham. During a famine, the Israelites were fed by God through Joseph, who was now in Egypt. Joseph's story alone is amazing, is it not? God did that. God sent him there and sustained him, but not only that, He had him prosper so that when the famine came, they had a place to go. While the Egyptians under a new king mistreated the Israelites, God gave them Moses and made him a man of power and words and deeds, ultimately using him to deliver the Israelites, thus rescuing them. This is our God. This is who Paul's talking to. This is who we talk to today. God remained the God of the Israelites. God is a covenant keeper. Have we looked at the covenants lately that God made? He never fails. We fail to keep our word. But our God doesn't. He gave them His Word through Moses. He gave them the tabernacle so they could meet with Him while in the wilderness. We see a theme. God, the uncaused cause, creates the world, makes man, makes Himself known to man, relates to man, understands sin, has a plan for dealing with that so that we can continue that fellowship that was broken with sin. And then He has a place where we can meet with God when that set of things is happening. And now, later, much later down the line, now, how do we meet with God? How do we meet with God now? Somebody throw it out. Hmm? Prayer. The Spirit indwells us. We're the temple. They met in the tabernacle and then the temple. But the Spirit's in us now. I don't have to go to a building. He gave them His Word through Moses. He gave them the tabernacle in the wilderness, a more permanent place to meet, him, meet with His people so they could worship Him. 
and relate to him was given to Solomon. The temple was built. He didn't allow David to build a temple now. So it's not that man decides all these things, right? God determines when these things happen. God announced through the prophets the coming Messiah, the righteous one. Peter's sermon from Acts chapter 2 gives us a glimpse of Jesus, fully man, fully God. We can chew on that for a minute, right? He performs signs and miracles to show who He is. Jesus was delivered over by the predetermined plan of God to be crucified on the cross. It was God's plan for Him to die for us. Even knowing our sin. Having been put to death, He was raised up. Death could not hold Him captive. He ascended to God's right hand where He remains today. He gave the promise of His Holy Spirit. Jesus is our Lord and Messiah. In Revelation 19 and 20, we see Him as whom? King of kings. Lord of lords. He's also the judge. The great white throne judgment. So, we can look at the salutation of a letter and we can think about all these other things that are piled into that. We read them in the text of Scripture. Stephen was talking to the council from his mind and his heart. He did not have notes. They knew this. We know these things, but they knew this in this way. And he had a whole lot more words than what, what I have in my notes. But this is the God. This is the, these are the things that they thought about. So when Paul, a Pharisee, at the feet of Gamaliel, he knew the Old Testament. Stephen knew the Old Testament. Stephen knew what he was talking about when he's giving his defense. To be sure, the Spirit of God just moved these guys. But as Paul's writing this letter, we give thanks to God. We, we stop and we look at that and we compile all of this that we know from Scripture and there's so much more. This was on Paul's mind as he's penning the letter. Right? So when we're talking about God, are we thinking about those things, all of this together? We give thanks to God the Father, our Lord Jesus Christ. He's Lord of Lords and King of Kings. And we're praying always for you. We have to know and we have to remember Paul's heart towards the believers in every letter that he was writing to. He was so thankful for them. And he knew that this God, this Christ, was the one doing the work in their lives. So when he heard about their faith and he heard about their love and he heard from Epaphras what was going on there, he was moved to write the same as we would if we saw somebody having a hard time with the truth. Whether they hadn't learned it and trusted Christ yet, or whether they had learned it and they're missing a piece, or whether they knew more and had just gone off left of center a bit. Paul heard that they were having a struggle with somebody teaching something that was not right. 
and he sent this letter, and it is thick. And it's hard to stop because there's so much more coming. I mentioned in the introduction there's 30 references to Christ in the first chapter alone. We have the doctrine of Christ, a bunch of it, right here, and we're coming to it. Gratitude is not just a word. It's the bent of a heart towards God. Our very lives, temporal and eternal, are gifts from God. Our very lives are gifts from God. Prayer. (laughs) Quiet the noise around you so you can both speak to and hear from God. And in all seriousness, we we are busy. Take some time. Shut it down. Say no. Get quiet. It's so loud in this world, it might take hours to get quiet enough after your nap. Because when we stop, we just crash. Find some time to, a buddy of mine said a trickle charge. Find some time to get quiet for a minute. Even our vacations are busy. It's just so draining, you've got to have a vacation to recover from the vacation. You're going to see that soon, and you already know it, don't you? Take some time. Trickle charge. Shut down all the noise. And some, some people do better at that than others. It's hard to stop when it's noisy and busy. It's hard to stop and pray. Number three, Jesus is our Lord and Savior. Paul was thankful to God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. We're either reconciled to God by Him or we're not. One of those two. We're in the vine or not. And I'm going to plead with you, if you are not, if you are not reconciled to God through faith in Christ, please don't wait. Please don't wait. We all know there's no guarantees. If you have not trusted Christ, God is making known to you that you don't have a guarantee of plenty of time. We just heard this morning about a life seemingly cut short. That's early. That's very young. Time's up. When it's up, don't wait, please. And if you have questions about salvation, please come talk to me. Come talk to somebody who walks with the Lord, who you know has faith in Christ. Any one of us would be glad to visit with you. And it doesn't matter. The only thing that matters is that you're reconciled to Christ and you have life in Him. All the rest of the stuff doesn't matter. If you're in Christ, if you're in the vine, uh, let's spend time thinking about the things He's given us, who He is, and let's be grateful. Let's praise Him. And thank God for life, for the privilege to serve Him, just for who He is, the things we looked at today. I am so thankful to God for each one of you.
Father, we love You. We thank You. I pray that You'd give us more time to just sit with You, to read Your Word, to talk to You, to study and listen to what You have to say. There's so much we don't know yet. We're thankful that You've kept it for us. You give us the Spirit of God to shed light on it. Pray that we would see more about Jesus. We become less distracted. That thankfulness would be overriding in each of our lives. That we would worship You day by day, minute by minute, in everything we do. And that You would give us opportunity to proclaim Your Word. Tell others about our Lord and our Savior, about our God, our Father. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.